And as y'all are seated, you're going to want a Bible with you. Um, so if you have either your own Bible or one of the Bibles in the chairs by you, we're going to be looking at that passage, which I know we've now read for three weeks straight, if you've been here regularly. That's from 1 Corinthians 12. I believe when it comes to the Bibles that are in your seats, it's on page 959. So again, if you're in your own, or maybe if you're on a device, that's going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll be starting with verse 12 in just a little bit, or page 959 in the Bibles that are around you. Let me pray as we get started, and then we'll continue. So Lord, we thank you for the privilege and the honor that it is to A, be able to worship you, and B, to be able to gather with others to be able to worship you. We pray that you would come during this time, that you would be our guide, your word, our guide, and your spirit, our teacher. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so keep a thumb in 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to be getting to that in a couple minutes. Just want to say, as we get going this morning, one of the things that naturally happens when you're a pastor is... Uh, people meet you, they learn you're a pastor, and they, if they like their church, they start to tell you about their church. And this is the experience that I had about two months ago. I was running an errand down 280. I met someone that was really friendly, really kind. They were a Christian. They knew that I was a pastor. And we struck out this conversation, and this person was so excited about their church that she started to tell me about it. And everything that she told me sounded pretty amazing. So like a lot of people, during the pandemic, she and her husband had started watching services online, and she had been watching services from another church, and it was a really compelling service. And so they started watching that regularly. They started watching some Zoom Bible studies that were going on online, some uh, Zoom Sunday school classes. And she said, as they started getting more connected to this church, doing those things, it really started to have a positive impact on their lives. She specifically was talking about the fact that one of the classes that they had participated in had really helped equip them to be able to engage with their adult children about that, their faith. It was very helpful. And so naturally, after a period of time, they decided to become members. And as far as I could understand, that church welcomed them as members. And I, I got to tell you, it's always great as a pastor, A, to hear about churches that are nearby that are doing great work um, and that are being faithful, but B, um, they're working with people to encourage them to become a part of that community and, and to commit to that. Now, the most interesting part of our conversation came when I asked her about where this exciting church was, because I know a lot of the churches in Birmingham, there are many great and faithful churches in Birmingham, and, and I assumed I probably would know it. But as it turns out, this, this church that they have become members of, it wasn't in Birmingham. In fact, it wasn't in the state of Alabama. It was in Georgia. They had become members of a church in Atlanta. And this isn't a church that has satellite campuses. They've only got one building and people all gather there for worship. And, and what they do is about once every six weeks, they make the trek from here to Atlanta. They're there for worship on those Sundays. And then the rest of the week, they spend it connecting to that church online. Okay, it bring, brings a whole new meaning probably, doesn't it, to getting plugged in to a local church. Now, I had that experience not long ago. I had my own experience connecting with church online as I was on paternity leave, as most of you know, with the birth of our son. And I was watching our services online. And 
on one hand, I gotta say, it was helpful. Like it was good to, to be connected in some way to this body. At the same time, I wanna be honest, it was pretty weird. It was strange. You couldn't, I mean, I love looking out from here. I can see everybody in the room. No matter how full this room, this room is, if you've watched online, you know, you can't see many people. You can't see many faces. You can see the backs of some heads. You can't see many faces. And then you came to times like the peace and, and I kind of shrugged and looked at Lauren and smiled. And then I just kind of sat there until everybody else in the room had shaken hands and come back together for worship. Obviously it had its conveniences. And at the same time, it still, still made me wonder. Does anyone else think this is weird? Like, does anyone else feel this? And I say that knowing I'm probably a little bit oversensitive to that question. I've got my own biases. I am a pastor. But it's really hard not to wonder if in the last two years, with all the changes that, got on, that have gone on with church, if there have not been significant changes in the way that we as Americans experience, experience and think about church, especially as in so many different areas of life, we've pivoted to try to go online. At least we did for a time. And we know that's the case for churches. Again, churches from across denominations, all of us in the last two years trying to do everything that we could in order to accommodate to the situation, knowing at that time when we all went online, since then, a lot of people have stayed online or worshiping by watching online. Other people have embraced sort of a, a hybrid model of maybe watching online, like I was sharing earlier, sometimes or, or much of the time, and then periodically going and being a part of things in person. And so, I know this is a longer introduction, but just follow me here. With that in mind, with the passage that we were just looking at from 1 Corinthians 12 in mind, here's what we're gonna do for the next couple minutes, okay, this morning. The goal for all of us this morning, whether you're, you're seated here in this room this morning, whether you're watching live online or later on Sunday or later in the week, or maybe you're listening to our sermon podcast, okay, no matter where you are, we're gonna think carefully and discerningly about what some are arguing is a new chapter that we've entered into in American Christianity because of COVID. And if, if you're new today, I just wanna give you the heads up. A, I'm gonna go slightly longer than we normally do. Um, and B, we're gonna think hard. We're gonna think hard together. And then finally, normally we try to jump right into a passage together because we're, we're normally opening up the scriptures not to hear what lofty ideas I have or others have. We're asking here, what does God wanna say to us? We're gonna get to that just a little bit later than we normally do as we get started. So the, the first thing that we're gonna do is we are gonna think more about this moment that we're in and, and where we've been for the last few years. Second, we're gonna to go to our passage from 1 Corinthians 12. If you remember, this is what our guest preacher, Colin Hansen, preached on about two weeks ago, okay? He, and it's not that he didn't do a great job. He did an excellent job, but it's so helpful in helping us process, again, this, this new season that we're in. We're gonna look at that. And then finally, we're gonna ask, what are some of the, te the tensions that we see between, between the, the Christian life as Paul the Apostle characterizes it in this passage. And again, this new chapter that we've entered into into the church in, in 2020 through 2022. Even with all the new opportunities that we have with technology in order to reach more people, 
Are there any ways that we might need to be thinking carefully about this? And so let's start with that first then. Let's, we're going to think carefully now and hard and trying to describe this new time that we're in. How, how would we do that? How would we describe this new season that many theologians and church historians and sociologists are saying a, a new era of Christianity in places like America or other more affluent Western countries that are technologically advanced and where we can do these things like live streaming and like Zoom, because it has implications for us, particularly in the church. It, it, it has been pushing, we're going to get to this more in a second, it's been pushing on the ways that we conceive of what church is. It's been pushing us on how we imagine what it means to be a member of a church. Now, maybe the easiest way for us to do this is just to remember that the journey that we've been on in our own church family here at St. Peter's. So what have, we, what have we been through in the last two years? We're going to take just a second to think about that now. Where have we been? If we had to, we could probably divide the journey that we've been on in the last two or plus years into what you could call three different seasons. Okay, starting with a season that we could probably call the online only season. And everybody knows how that went. It was March 2020. Almost it feels like everything shut down. Like other churches, we, for what we believed would be a temporary period of time, stopped holding our services in the building. And we tried and, and pivoted to putting everything online. This is, again, what basically all churches were doing. Uh, our Bible studies, our, our prayer meetings, our, our, um, every possible thing that we were doing that could go online, we tried to do that. We did everything that we could. That was the first season. The second season, we could call online essential. Online essential. So we could probably say that this season started when we were able to be back together in the building again. And at the same time, while some of you were coming back, there were a lot of you who either weren't able to or weren't comfortable with coming back in the building. And so we continued to make different offerings available online. And there were many of you that continued to watch online. It was, it was critical that you still be able to do so. Again, online essential. And then finally, we have the third season. And this is the one I think it would be fair for us to say that we're still in. And this would be the online helpful season, which is to say uh, about this time last year, or maybe a little bit earlier by that point, uh, most people that desired to have access to a vaccine had one, and many of you were now uh, coming back into church. You were going out in public places, re-entering into public life, and really the ability to live stream our service and to connect virtually, transition from going something that we were doing out of necessity, more for most of us, something that we were doing out of convenience, especially when it comes to our Sunday service. Maybe we were out of town on a Sunday, uh, maybe we had some sort of commitment. We were sick. And so we needed that opportunity. It's, it's not been something that we absolutely have to have. It's been very helpful to a lot of us. So that's where I think we could say we've been for the last couple of years. And, and I know it's not unique to the church. I mean, this has kind of been what's gone on in every domain of life, isn't it? Online only, online essential, online helpful. Now, I want to say, the reason that we've taken that brief walk down memory lane for us as a church family is all for the sake of making one important observation, and that's this. For most churches, including our church, St. Peter's, 
the decision to make the things in our church family available online, including our Sunday services, that decision was not driven by a, a prayerful conviction that this is in the long term the best thing for the members of this church family and their discipleship. That was not the reason that we made that decision. We made that decision and we did make it prayerfully because it was the only option that we had as a church family. It, it felt like for us, look, we've got two decisions or, or I should say two options that we can make. Either on one hand, we do everything we can to make everything available online and, and allow our members to have some meaningful way to connect with one another or we leave everybody on their own. This is the way most churches were processing this. What's been the impact of this? Okay, the impact seems to be that for most of us, and let's just slow down and think about this for a second. For most of us, this transition has subtly forced us to rethink a lot of the most basic parts of the Christian life and, and to begin to look at them in ways that we never have before. Things like worship, things like community, even things like church. If you remember when Colin was here, we looked at his book, Rediscover Church. Why I asked did he write it? He said, because a lot of people in light of the pandemic were lacking clarity about what is church? What does it mean to be connected to one? Going virtual, going remote has made it a lot harder to define exactly what these things are, at least in a precise way. And so we found ourselves asking questions that we've never asked before. Sometimes consciously, normally unconsciously, questions like, what does it mean today in 2022, in May, to attend church? What does that mean? Do we have to be there in, in person? Would we say that we've attended church if we watched it online that day or, or, or later in the week? Or, or, or maybe if we listened to a sermon? Okay, this is another question. Speaking of sermons, can we say or would we say that we attend a church if we watch only the sermon when we watch it online? That might sound like a, a, a self-centered question as a preacher. The reason that we ask that is because when you look at the metrics on YouTube, we know most people that watch this service only watch the sermon. And we know that if you're wondering, well, how, how, how do we know? Because we can see the average length of how long people watch, and almost always it coincides with the preaching, not with other parts. I know people aren't twiddling their thumbs tuning in to watch me make announcements. I know that. That's how we know that. So, so if we haven't participated in all of the service, but watch, just watch the preaching, though we at this church have a very high view of, of the preached word. Can we say that we attended church that week. Okay, uh, and then another question. Actually, let me go back to that. The reason that the attendance question is so significant is because for most of us, isn't it true, especially pre-COVID, when we would talk to people about where our home church is in conversation, how do we learn that about other people? What do we ask? Hey, where do you go to church? And how do we answer that? Oh, I go here. Rarely do people say, hey, where are you a member what, at, at which church are you a member? That'd be a little awkward. Hey, where do you go? This is where I go. That's why that question is so important. The challenge is the question of what going means has gotten a lot more murky in the last few years, hasn't it? 
Or here's another question to go back to where we started today. We've had to think about questions related to membership in ways that we never had before. For example, should a church allow someone to become a member that doesn't live anywhere nearby? What if they live in another state? What if they live in another country or another continent? Even if they can still meaningfully connect, if they can watch every week um, the entire service, they can participate in, in Zoom studies and small groups and everything else, should we allow people to become members of churches in that way? If so, why? If not, why not? And I want to add to that, Obviously, there are all kinds of exceptions that we would take into mind as we think about that question. If, if there are people that are, are bedridden, if there are people that are sick, um, what, what about people that are living in a foreign country where there is no church near them? It's a persecuted area. Uh, we even have a, a spouse of a, a more recent visitor that was with us this week at the uh, newcomer's dinner. Uh, he's serving the armed forces overseas in the Middle East, and I don't know what his access to a chaplain is like or services. So there are all sorts of ways that I think most of us would agree we should be making exceptions. The reality is those situations apply to very few of us, don't they? And in that case, you see how complicated this gets? This is really tricky. And I just want to remind us, in the greater scheme of church history, This is all brand new, that the early church did not sit around wondering what to do with Zoom. This is is something that we we never have had to think about before, at least maybe with the rise of mass media in the last several decades and televangelists and things like that. But, But mostly, these are new questions that we've never thought about before the 21st century. But now in 2022, we can't avoid answering these questions. We have to process them, and especially in light of all the adjustments that we made at a time where it, I believe, was absolutely necessary. We're left with all sorts of things to think about. Now, how do we start to answer these questions? I said earlier that one of the most helpful ways is by looking at this passage from 1 Corinthians 12. Now, we are finally going to get into that. If you have your Bible, please do open if it's one of the seats if it's one of the ones from the seats to page 959, we're gonna be beginning maybe in your own Bible uh, in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 12. And we're gonna pivot now from the complexity of this moment that we've been in, and we're gonna be thinking about how would Paul inform our answers to these questions. If you weren't with us two weeks ago when Colin was preaching on this, just remember you get to chapter 12 and the apostle Paul is writing about our unity and our interdependence as Christians. And then we get to verses 12, and we're going to look at 27 as well. And they give us this key image of Christ's body and Christians as members. So first look at 12, if you have it in front of you. I'm going to read it. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. So it is with Christ. And then we're going to jump ahead, if you have it by you, to 27, because after explaining this and, and going on about this, he makes almost what seems like a summary statement in 27. Now you, you all, y'all are the body of Christ and individual members of it. You all are the body of Christ. So the, the point in both of these is pretty similar. It's got different emphases. In verse 12, notice Paul's emphasizing 
who Christ is. That's the focus of it, that his body has many members. And then you get to 27, and the focus is on who? The focus is on Christians. You all, Christians, he says, you're members of the body. So one thing that Paul's obviously stressing is that if you're a Christian, I mean, this is mind-blowing if you think about it. If you are a Christian, you in some real way are a part of Christ's body on earth. It's unbelievable. And then he says, beyond that, that's not amazing enough. Notice he highlights that as Christians, as part of that body, we are inherently dependent on each other. Okay, especially when it comes to being within the church family, we would know. Think about this for a second as we try to imagine this interdependence. Think about the difference between those of you that might have a coaster in your house. Like maybe it's got a picture on top of it and it's in your living room. You bought it on some trip just to help you remember of a place you visited maybe. And then think about the difference between that and a puzzle piece. Now the coaster, that's a single object, isn't it? It doesn't need anything else in order to display that picture on it. In fact, if you were to put it along with other coasters, it normally wouldn't form anything because why? Coasters are made to exist on their own. And normally if there is anything on top, any sort of a picture, it has one picture on top on it soon. That's not how puzzle pieces work. Okay, puzzle pieces are work to be connected to each other. They can't show the whole picture that you're squinting at on that box on their own. And if you were to ever come across a puzzle piece that didn't have little hands sticking out or didn't have indentations where the hands from other pieces are supposed to go in, you wouldn't call that a puzzle piece. You'd call it a rectangle. We would use language that is entirely different because it is something that's entirely different. And Paul says it is the same way as Christians if you're a member of Christ's body. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a part of his body. And to be a, dis a disciple means that we are intended to relate to other parts of the body. Did you notice in those verses how Paul talks again about this is something he does, God, by design, by design. It's not an accident. Three different, three different times and in three different ways, Paul talks about God doing this with intentionality. So if you have, again, your Bible in front of you, verse 18 But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each of them. How? As he chose. Second half of 24. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. And then in 28, when talking about different roles and gifts in the body, notice the way that he introduces them in relation to what God's done. He says these first couple words, and God has appointed. So God's doing these things. God has arranged. He has chosen. He's composed. He's appointed. It's not like this is some sort of an accident. Again, it's not like this is a byproduct of God's design. He has chosen to form and shape us in such a way that as we remain in him, in the way that Jesus talks about it in John 15, as we stay connected to him, we're also to remain connected to each other did on purpose. So we're made to be like this. And then Colin emphasized this two weeks ago when he was here. It's done in such a way that no Christian can look at another Christian and say, I don't need you. I don't need you. You're dispensable. Verse 21, 
The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Implication there, we need each other. These members need each other. We as members need each other. And for what purpose? Where is all this going? Go back to now 24. Look at what he says. Among other reasons, God's composed the body this way. I'm gonna use my own language here, but it seems like for our own personal experience, look at Vienna 25, but that the members of the body would have the same care for one another. There's an experiential dimension of this. Look at what he says in 26. If one member suffers as a result of being part of the body, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice to go, rejoice together. Or you go back to this idea of a puzzle. It's like saying, look, these, as Christians, these pieces of the puzzle are made in such a way, not only or primarily to display the image of another, the glory of Jesus Christ, but even for the good of the pieces, it's better for us that we be made this way. So having seen those things, let's now go back to this moment that we're in that we've been talking about and see how this might help clarify some thinking for us. Because I said at the beginning, it does seem like there are some tensions between the way that the Apostle Paul is characterized in the Christian life and this time that we're in. What do I mean by that? And I now I ask you to follow me for a moment here and be patient with me. If the first season of the pandemic really could have been called the online-only season, or maybe we'd add online where possible for a lot of us. The first question that we really wrestled with, wasn't it, during the pandemic was this. For now, how do we do the things that we have been doing and that we need to be doing online? Isn't that what we were asking? How do we do these things virtually? But now, with where we are, having done those things, having made all kinds of adjustments since March of 2020. We've all found ourselves asking a second question, and that's this. To what extent do we physically need to be with other people to do the things that we have to do? To what extent do we really need that? Everybody's been asking this question. Have you noticed that? Businesses are asking this question. To what degree do our employees really have to be in the office in order to be as, as effective as we need them to be? to serve our clients. And have you read, the employees are asking the same question, especially the younger ones. You got a whole workforce out there right now that, that pivoted to doing stuff remote. And then they're asking, so you want me to commute an, an hour and a half for what? And you want me to pay in a far more expensive area closer to the office for what reason? Where, where my quality of life is probably gonna be lower, my, my standard of living's gonna be lower because of how unaffordable it might be. To what degree do we really have to be there? Businesses are asking this. They're asking it in healthcare. If you know any physicians or if you went to the doctor during COVID, this question about telehealth meetings and physicians, patients, healthcare, I should say um, insurance companies are wrestling with this. I mean, do people have to sit in the same room with the doctor? Can't they get the prescription just by, you know, holding their mouth open to the webcam? Do we really have to do this? Institutions of learning. Those of you who homeschooled kids for much longer than you might have chosen. You know this, colleges, 
graduate programs. I was reading last week about how many of the most uh, elite MBA programs often will send those who are in business school and their program to do on-site visits internationally to do these sort of uh, case studies and to process the things that they're learning together. And one thing that's been going on is some of, some of the more elite schools, what they've been doing is giving virtual reality headsets to their students and asking, rather than flying to Beijing, why not put that on and experience these things this way? It's a lot cheaper. In some ways, it's a lot easier. And it wouldn't surprise anybody to hear that professors in business schools have had mixed opinions about this. This is just what we've been doing. And and with us having to ask this question about whether or not we need to be together in every area of life, is it any surprise that we as Christians in our country, and I'm sure in other developed countries, are asking the same thing about church? We're asking about church. Do we really have to do this in person to do it well, to get the things out of it that I want? Or might there be other options? Maybe I can do the hybrid thing. I know people that are going to the office a couple days a week. Some of you in this, in this sanctuary, this applies to you right now. You're going to the office a couple days a week. You're staying home the rest of the week. Can we do that with church? Maybe can we, can we watch online 50% of the time and, and um, the other 50% of Sundays, just maybe stay home. Is that an option? Can we do the hybrid thing? Why not just do the all online thing? There's so many other great choices in that case. One, we, we can kind of mix and match the church thing a la carte to do what we find most appealing. We can listen to the place with the best music and then we can change the YouTube station to that preacher who's the most gifted. We can find the, the church that has uh, probably maybe the, the better production value online rather than having to watch some places where it feels like you're watching one of the home movies on America's Funniest Home Videos. Why, why not think about that? Okay, these are hard questions. How much we've been asking does physical presence really matter? So how do we answer that question? Especially in all these different domains in life. It would seem like the easiest way would be to boil it down to the obvious question of whether or not the people in that group actually need each other to do what that group is for. Do they need each other? Do they need each other or is, is the idea of being together physically kind of incidental to what we do? Not really at the center of what we do, but it, it kind of makes it more ideal sometimes. Other times it makes it more challenging. And again, this is something everybody's asking. In other contexts, it's a toss-up. Okay, in the business world, people know there are some positions in certain companies where you actually can be as effective, possibly more effective by not being in the office and by doing things on your own. And then there are other certain, certain kind of positions in certain companies where in order to effectively carry out your role, you have to be in the office. You've got to be with clients. You can't be at home. Now, what's the difference between those two roles, between those two situations? It's the way that the role is designed. It's how it's designed. And then just to go back to our passage, think about it. Most of us would never, probably never think, but we certainly wouldn't say out loud to other people in this room, you know what, I don't really need to be around other Christians. And most of us would be tempted to think other Christians don't need to be around me. 
But the truth is, is this. If in the last two years, we've come to embrace a way of relating church, which is either the, the hybrid model where maybe we, we uh, watch online half the time and, and we come the other half, or maybe we watch online most of the time and come once in a while, especially uh, if we're out of town, or if we've embraced, maybe, maybe this applies to some of you watching us today that aren't in Birmingham, if we've embraced the online-only model where we're never engaged physically, we don't have a physical presence and we're not truly meaningfully engaged with that church family, if that applies to us, the reality is this, we might not ever say that we don't need other people, that's the way that we're living. That's the message that we're sending to other Christians. Y'all, I don't need you. But also this, most of us are probably more prone to this. Y'all, y'all don't really need me. You don't really need me. A, a Christian spouse, for those who happen to be married, or maybe a, a couple of Christian friendships are not enough. They're not enough. And that's really what we believe if, if those are the, the models that we've embraced if we feel like we don't need to be together in person. And if that's the case, remember what Paul says in 21. Remember what he says. When it comes to the Christian life, nobody's indispensable. Nobody's indispensable. And we hear that, and again, it pushes us in those two ways. It pushes those of us who, who think we don't need other people, and it, it kind of pushes those of us who lack more confidence to remember that other people really do need us. Other people need our gifts. Other people need our presence in their lives. They need our service unto them. So everybody's indispensable. Why? Most importantly, because this is how God has designed it. That's what Paul says. Not because the pastors want it to be the case or because any human beings want it to be the case. Because in God's good design, that's what he chose to do. And I'll say, that does, I don't always find that convenient. I don't personally find that easy. I don't know about you. I would imagine it's possible for many of you. You don't find it either. But that's what he's chosen to do. Well, that's what he's chosen to do. So I know I've gone for a while. Let me start to wrap this up. What, is this, what does this mean for us? I want to close this morning by addressing two groups among us. This is primarily for those in our church family, for those who are um, watching online, for, for those that connect with us more regularly virtually. Again, whether or not I should say you're a part of this church family. I want to speak to two groups. The first group are those of us that we might call viewers, but not members. Viewers, but not members. In other words, for some of us, we have come to a place during COVID where we have started to connect with our church family or a church family, primarily online, primarily virtually. We, we could go somewhere in person. Again, we've re-engaged with public life. Instead, that's not what we're doing. We normally don't go. And, and that's not to say our faith doesn't matter to us. It may be really important. We may be listening to different sermons uh, on podcasts. We may be theologically very sound. We consider ourselves spiritually mature. And at the same time, we're not going because frankly, it's not as convenient. Okay, if that's you, here's what you need to remember. Okay, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, You've been made to be a member, but not of an audience of the body of Christ. You have been made to be a member, part of a local 
body. And if that's you, I wanna encourage you, take time to pray. And, and unless there's something that's phys- physically preventing you from, from getting into a church family somewhere regularly, go. That's one group. Next group, or I should say the second group, are those who actually are members somewhere. It might be, you might be a member here. Those of you watching online might be a member here. And at the same time, you're increasingly becoming viewers. In other words, you call us your church home, but maybe even though you've been deeply connected in the past, okay, we, we see you less and less. We don't get to see you anymore. Since things have reopened, you're not coming back as much. And it's not because you can't, but again, it's, it's because it's, it's not as convenient. You'd rather be able to do other things during that time on Sunday mornings, or you'd rather be able to watch whenever and wherever you want. And if that's the case, I want to encourage you, remember, again, you've been made to be a member. And if that's you, I also want to encourage you to do one of two things. Okay, and both of them happen to start with D, just to help us remember. Okay, if that applies to you, if, if you've been a part of, of this church family and, and have been around a while, you need to do really one of two things. You should probably either double down or you should discern. Double down or discern. Either come back, get back connected, or enter a season of discernment. With getting connected, here's what I mean. For some of you, if you're ever doing um, pastoral counseling with a married couple, sometimes you'll hear a husband or wife say, you know what, I just don't feel like I love them as much anymore. And you say things like, well, when's the last time you spent meaningful time together? Well, like a year ago. Huh. Maybe if you would spend some time together, that feeling might return. In other words, the couple is waiting for the feeling to come back before they're willing to re-engage. And I just want to suggest it might be possible for anyone that hasn't been around that you're waiting for the desire to come back before you get reconnected in the community. If that's, if that's you, double down. Bet God on it. Come back, get involved, take a number of weeks, if not months, and then let's see what happens. Try that. If not, if double down doesn't work, discern. Discern. And that may mean, may mean going into a new season where you, and if you're married, your spouse, or your family are praying about whether or not this church family is the place where you believe that God has called you, okay? And, and I say that very delicately. Please don't text or email anyone on the vestry saying the pastor told him to leave the church after the service. I could qualify that a dozen different ways to Sunday. That should be, only be done in prayer. It should only be done in uh, concert with other close, mature Christian friends. It would probably be helpful to talk to one of us. I mean, our clergy would love to talk to you about that if you're thinking about that. But Enter that time of discernment. And then if it's not here, find somewhere where you can get involved and be physically present regularly. So double down, discern, don't disappear. Don't disappear. Don't disappear in a never-never land. Okay, for some of us, the way that we think about the Christian life the way that we're acting, it's almost as if if the Christian life was like a buoy that you can imagine on the surface of the ocean, a really tumultuous one, and it's tied with a rope down to an anchor. In our case, that anchor being the body of Christ, the church. And, and what you don't know is that your slow and subtle withdrawal is almost the same as you taking out a giant uh, pair of, of scissors and cutting the rope and setting yourself adrift and saying, I can handle it. I'll be okay. Y'all don't need me. 
maybe even if we're so bold to say it, I'm not sure I need you. Double down, discern, don't disappear. And so, over this Memorial Day weekend, I want to ask us, I want to encourage us, keep these suggestions in mind. And then let's ask God for us together as a church family to continue to guide us through this brave new world that we've walked walked into together in the church. Why? Because again, friends, you were made to be more than part of an audience. You're a member of the body of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, if only we had all the time to study the each others and the one another's of the New Testament and the ways that you've designed us. Please, will you be at work in me? Will you be at work in anyone else in this church family that feels the challenge with this and the temptation to, to be disconnected? And, and those of us like myself that can be tempted to forget how much we really do need each other. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege that it is to gather with one another. And we think of all the people around the world for whom they put their life in danger just by heading out of the house to meet with someone else in the Bible. Lord, please, would you continue to do great works amongst this church family as we do gather regularly. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.